At 1.30 a.m. April 20th, 1989, a woman was discovered in the Northwoods area of New York Central Park, the woman who became known as the Central Park Jogger. A passerby found her in a mud-covered ravine. She was naked, gagged, tied up, and covered in mud and blood. That is where we start our story today, but it is nowhere near the end of this tragedy. Some of my content has mention of extreme violence, sexual assault, and or other triggering content. Discretion is advised. Okay, so we are back. We are back. Um, I've, I'm just not on my game tonight. We, we're both kind of dealing with some, you know, some cold stuff and mm-hmm. not just not feeling great. And uh been a lot going on. So. It's a thousand degrees in here. It is. Um, our AC is not working. So, yeah, it's summer. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's nighttime. We don't normally do this at night. So everything is off. I know. Yeah. Um, we've also changed our... Changed the set around. Yeah. The whole, I don't know why I was like doing the John Cena thing. <laughs> um, it's all, it all feels backwards. So tonight might feel backwards. The whole, the whole... Right. Oh, and I've done a couple, like you said, I've done a couple where I read. Mm-hmm. And so now you're reading. And so that's backwards. Yeah. It's just opposite day. It is. Um, and I'm sorry. I apologize if my voice is not great. Um, I am dealing with the world attacking me yes. and my sinuses lately. So. And I, because of my allergies, I'm going to be sniffling a lot. So sorry in advance there. Yep. But this is real. This is who we are. And oh, well. <laughs> I got to I do, I do think we have two pieces of uh, things to discuss real quick, though. Okay. Um. Do you want to give the good news about the Anchor? Yeah. Um, we are starting to make a little bit of money on Anchor. We got, um, I guess, what do they call it on there? Uh, anchor ads? It's Anchor ads. Yeah. I don't, there's, um, they have a different word than like partnered. It's mm-hmm. it's a little different. Um, yeah, man. Ambassador. Ambassador, Ambassador ads. ads. That's yeah. what it is. So, so thank you all for that because you guys got us there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we appreciate it. That so is much. awesome. Yes. And then the other thing, I'm gonna say my piece again. <laughs> Elon did not reinstate my account. He actually denied it again. Really? Not, probably not personally, but um somebody who he employs denied it again. And I maintain I did nothing wrong. So this is the podcast that Elon Musk does not want you to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't have any news. I don't I don't know. I'm just... I'm just going to start adding that at the beginning of all my... <laughs> Every single podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, originally when it got suspended and we didn't do anything wrong, I was like, all right, I'm annoyed. But then, like, submitting a request to get it reviewed, and then they come back and just said, hey, you violated some terms of service, but we're not going to tell you what. Now I'm like, like, I was a seven, now I'm eight or nine. Yeah. I just haven't been on Twitter. And yeah. I she's just like, really I'm, I'm done with it. And I'm getting there, too. <laughs> they're kind of pushing people out of it. So we, we might not be much on Twitter. Yep. We really won't be on Twitter. So check out our other stuff. Yeah. Check out Instagram. Um, check YouTube, out TikTok. She TikTok. does some cool TikToks on there. Whoa. Um, yeah, I do TikTok. Um, I've even Facebook. 
I've even toyed with the idea of doing some TikToks, but I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't have my comfortability yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you may see me on there sometime. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and also I do post other cases on Facebook every once in a while. If I see a good case, that's like too short or ongoing, I will post it. Um, I've done that a couple of times this week. So uh, go another, check those out. another thing that's, that's cool that you did, uh, one of your TikToks got pretty popular because it was actually a missing person that wasn't getting a lot of attention and it wasn't getting passed around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to follow on TikTok there too, because maybe you'll see a missing person that's in your area that you can help. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to help and help fam- families find their loved ones. So and maybe you'll see it and you'll be like, Oh, I know that area and you'll be able to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I also post just useful stuff on there. Like I posted the other day, like, from the KBI, which is our Kansas Bureau of Investigation, they put out something about what to do when your loved one goes missing. Mm. Um, and so I just copied and pasted that on our Facebook. Um, it's all from the KBI website. So I thought that might be yeah. kind of interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, too, I think it's good for people to listen to these cases to be able to protect themselves. Like, no, like, oh, okay, I've heard this situation before. This doesn't feel right. Right. Um, so before we get into our our case today, I will say this is a long one. This is um, it has a lot of I don't know what word I should use instead of the word. Um, a lot of abuse. Know. I don't know what word she's going for, so I'm sitting here going, I don't know. I don't a lot know either. of um, abuse. Okay. Um, and. Um, I can't say the word because I don't want to get demonetized, but um, it deals with the Central Park jogger. Um, It is a very famous case. Um, There is a lot of victims. We're going to talk about both sides here. And this is another one where she knows it all and I know nothing on this one. We Uh, know a little bit. Well, she, yeah, she said, I will know something when we get into it. Mm -hmm. So um, it's probably going to be a light bulb moment for me at some point where I'm just like, Oh, I remember we watched a documentary on that at some point. We did. <laughs> yeah. Um, this has a lot to it. Um, this will probably be a three-parter. Um, I'm going to kind of do this as the format we did Casey Anthony as. So the first one is going to be about the victim um, and about the incident. Um, the second one is going to be more about what happens afterwards and then the third, um, I have a little blurb, but then I want to also go through your comments, um, go through some Reddit posts, go through both sides of this story, because there is people who believe in both sides, that they are guilty and not guilty. Well, and so with that, um, it's that's a good point. This is interactive then. So uh, make sure you guys comment on video one and two mm-hmm. or on the... Um, they can comment on Spotify, right? I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, comment on Spotify, comment on YouTube, and that way we can actually read your comments and we'll have more to discuss on that third video mm-hmm. and we'll give you guys a shout out. Yes. I also am going to start using the community tab on YouTube. Um, and I posted like, do you like, you know, Drew hosting more or Sarah hosting more? Haven't got anybody reply yet. But I will also throw something out on there. That'll be some kind of like a forum where you can talk to 
as yeah, well. Yeah, so. and that's really good to point out because, to be honest, I didn't realize YouTube had a community tab. Yeah, so that, it's kind of a new feature. Okay, so. so it might be new to a few people. So yeah, if you guys want to go out of your way and search it out, like uh, conversations, good, mm-hmm. getting dialogue, getting to know who you are um, is awesome. Yeah, this is a polarizing case. This has um, got a lot of stuff to it. Um, and so please, please, please comment um, here or the Spotify, wherever you're listening, because I want to know what you guys think about this case. Absolutely. So are you ready to get into it? I don't know. That lead-in <laughs> was, uh, lead-in sounded pretty bad. And I I feel like I know some cases involving Central Park. So I'm like, there. I feel like there's, I'm going to recognize it, but I don't yet. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about first the scene the investigators walked up to that night. Um, So two people were walking through the park that night when they heard moans. They saw a blood-covered woman, and they called 911 to report it. The area was wooded and dark, but crime scene photographers were able to get clear pictures of drag marks. These marks are from the woman's body being dragged 30 feet off the path. The scene was very bloody and very chaotic. They found socks scattered around. The insole from her shoe was found, as well as some of her clothing. She was tied up with her own shirt, but it was completely red from blood. Um, This woman was miraculously still alive. Um, Her name is 28-year-old Trisha Melee. Um, Trisha loved running and especially in Central Park. Um, she f- said that she felt free running in the park and she did it often, sometimes five times a week. Um, I am not a runner. Not at all. I, I um, was good for you. in my life, but not, <laughs> not anymore. I need to get back there though. I'm working towards it. Right. Um, so Trisha worked as an investment banker and she had graduated with two master's degrees. All she was doing that night was just jogging in Central Park. She had on headphones, so she did not hear someone come up behind her and hit her in the head with a tree branch. She was then dragged to where she was found, badly beating, beaten. Um, that word. Right. Um, and tied up with her own shirt. The attacker then left her to die. I believe that they thought she was dead or would die before anyone would fi- find her. Um, but somehow those two people found Trisha and called for help. When they found her, she was barely alive. Her body was in convulsions because of the injuries. Um, this part is going to be hard to hear. Um, Trisha's injuries were more than bad. They were horrific. She had lost between 75 to 80% of her blood. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't, I, I don't know how much you can lose and survive, but that's got to be close to the limit. Yeah. Um, she was in comatose for 12 days. Um, she battled hypothermia, severe brain damage, and hemorrhoid shock. Her skull was fractured so greatly that her left eye had dislodged from its mm. socket. Her skull itself was fractured in 21 places. She had suffered various other facial fractions as well. This was all on top of the injuries from the assault um, that she had as well, um, which we won't go too much into that, but there was injuries from that. Right. 
Um, when we we're uh, you were saying we can't say the word, can we mm-hmm. still say the acronym, or do they are they cracking down on that now too? I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm <laughs> not. Know, I'm sure you guys can get from context clues, yeah, and I'm sure I'll can. mess up and say it, right? Because I wrote it, I wrote it in my notes, yeah. so I will probably mess up and say it, and I apologize. Um, I did say at the top that there was abuse, and it's a lot. So trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger yeah. warning. There's a lot in this, so right. Um, but that the. So did we? Um, so getting kind of back into what you've read so far and what you've discussed so far. Um, mm-hmm. Did was there? Um, you said her age. Did we say a date? Like what time of year it was yet, or anything? Um, um, like are we talking winter? Because it was hypothermia. I know it's New York, and New York. It was April twentieth. Okay. Well, so it's, it's kind of on that edge. It's actually, pretty close to right now. Yeah, pretty and, close to right now. Uh, it's also New York, so New York's going to be a little colder in most places. Mm-hmm. And um, she was 28. So the weird thing to me is, and maybe it's just my paranoia, I don't, I, maybe it's common in Central Park, but I do not run in parks at night. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even really like being on sidewalks at night. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we live in a smaller part of, of Kansas a bigger city. city so, yeah. yeah. Like if I was in downtown Kansas City, I might feel a little better because I'd be like, oh, there's lights everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. But like uh-huh. a park, and I that'd be awesome if we've got fans in New York. If we do, let us know what Central Park's like because we've never been there before. Yeah, so never maybe, been. I have no idea. I mean, that's one of the parts of New York that actually sounds kind of cool right. is Central Park. Uh-huh. Um, so let us know what it's like if it's well lit, if there's cameras i mean the fact that there's a wooded area it's obviously a huge park so mm-hmm. well there wasn't cameras then because it was 1989 right that was but... the other reason why i was kind of asking about um that was one of the other things i was going to ask about is like when so 89 mm-hmm. yeah there's yeah. not you know back then cameras were the size of your head right so. <laughs> that was the year i was born thank you yeah. um <laughs> hey i was born the year before it so <laughs> Um, so Trisha was not able to walk again until mid July. Um, she largely recovered from her injuries, but some disabilities related to balance, loss of smell, double vision, all of that. Um, as a result of the extent of her trauma, Trisha had no memory of the attack, um, which I think is probably good. Right. It's probably actually a good thing. Yeah. She had no memory of some events leading up to it or the weeks that followed. So when you have a, um, likely that's a concussion. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, but like when you get a concussion, I've heard a lot of people that are like, so the reason why they ask you what day it is and things like that. A lot of times when people get a concussion is because a lot of times when the head trauma happens, people will not remember um, like it happening. They won't remember, like you said, a little bit after it, they won't remember a certain period of time before it. They'll be kind of like, how did I get here? Right. Yeah. Like, how did I even get to the place I'm at right now? Mm -hmm. And it it varies based on the trauma, how long that is. But yeah, that happens a lot with concussions. Yeah. I mean, she probably woke up um, in the hospital assaulted the way she was and like had no idea why right like how how did this happen where did you find me like what was i doing you know yeah um so investigators got to work pretty fast on trying to figure out what happened but they didn't have to search for very long there's already many 911 calls around 9 p.m that night reporting a group of 30 to 40 young men terrorizing people in the park that night They had already arrested and began questioning five of the boys that they caught that night. 
The rest fled on foot when they saw police arrive. The cops did not yet know about Trisha. They only knew of a string of beatings, robberies, and basically these men. How many, so I'm going to ask because I think I know now mm-hmm. maybe. How many did you say? The five. Okay. So this is the Central Park Five case. Yeah, I was going to say when you said five, I'm like, because at first you said 30. And I'm like, because I've been wondering if it was Central Park Five. And I was mm-hmm. like, 30. So I don't know if I knew that part of the Central Park Five that there was thirty and five of them got excluded. Yeah, or got caught and pulled. Or, I guess it's your opinion on whether they were caught or just you know profiled. Yeah, <laughs> um, for you lack will, of a better way of putting that. Yeah, you will see that a lot of things were not known um, about this night and not put out there about this night, um, because they were trying to paint a picture. Yeah. We'll just say that. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, I mean, we'll get more into it, but that's what I remember from the central part five. And so I, so kind of give you an idea where my head's at, like from what I remember, I already skewed towards, like, there was a lot of a lot of bias, a lot of profiling, mm-hmm. racial a profiling lot of, here, lot of yes. racial profiling. Um, so that, that kind of already skews where I'm at because like, I don't remember there being um, a lot of fairness in yeah. this. Well, I will say there, there is all that. Absolutely. Um, it is on film that there was um, racial profiling, a lot of very harsh interrogations and things like that. And which you got to think of the time too. Like, obviously it's never okay, but mm-hmm. you think of the time it's, we said 89. Well, yeah. like racial tensions were high because like it was, you know, like just a few years later is the Rodney King in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're on opposite coast, but it tends to, they tend to somehow kind of mirror each other a little bit sometimes. Yes. And I definitely go into talking about that here soon. Um, I will stepping on your toes. No, no, you're you're (laughs) fine. Um, I will say like, I wanted Drew and I wanted you guys to come into this case, not thinking about what you've previously known about Central Park five, because everything you, you've known is. You, you should question. Yeah. I mean, there, it just, this is a whole new take on things. Um, You should always be willing to hear a different perspective and see if it, if it changes your, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I will say um, going to like the OJ case, which is one of those cases that's pretty controversial. Yeah. Um, I've been willing to hear other perspectives on it. And mm-hmm. I think you've been more swayed by what you've heard than I have, but like we've been swayed before where we start thinking, I mean, maybe, maybe it could be somebody else. Right. Um, and I, I will say like this case I went into it being one way and I'm leaning towards being in the middle. Which so. also OJ kind of how that happened with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, so the cops didn't know about Trisha's attack, but they knew that there was these 30 to 40 young boys basically terrorizing people in the park. They'd got 911 calls about it. So they picked up five of the boys that were not able to flee Um, And took them in for questioning. Um, But once they learned about Trisha's attack, they set their sights that these boys were the ones that did it. 
And that's kind of where questioning of anyone else went away. Right. Um, where already kind of, I'm like, there were 30 to 40. So there's yes. 25 to 35 people that you did not question. Mm-hmm. Like to narrow down on the five without any specific, like, evidence and you might get to them maybe there's some maybe there is but like you know, like defense or not defense wounds but like um what would that be like um somebody else defending themselves and then they have like the wounds on their arms and stuff. defensive like, wounds right so like um i just guess like if there's no evidence that pointed to them happening it could have been any one of the other 25 to 35 yeah that did it and or none of them. <laughs> right. And you'll find in this case, like there's not a lot of like DNA evidence, which, um, which is, is interesting. I mean, because it was an assault right? Um, and we had that. Um, but, but did they do much in the late 80s on DNA? They did. Um, it, they didn't know if it was completely reliable, but they oh, did. Right. Okay. Um, and it just... So a lot of times when cops go into a scene, they're told to kind of let things follow where the, the scene is telling you. Yes, the evidence is telling you. When you have it go the other way where you find your suspects, uh-huh. you make it fit. Right. Cause and they, that's what they did here. Their goal is to not have open cases. Right. Right. They don't they don't want to have cases sitting and just like oh, especially we don't, not as high profile case. as this one. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, they want closure on the case and they want it to be a quick close. Uh-huh. Um yeah, because you don't want people in Central Park freaking out that there's something gonna happen. Right. Um, but we're gonna get into all of that. <laughs> 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 yeah, so one thing I would say um with the evidence leading you like an, another way of thinking of it too is like um I found I found this interesting in science when you have a uh hypothesis you're not supposed to your job's not to prove that your hypothesis is right. Your job is to test it and let the results of the test determine whether it was right or wrong mm. because you're not supposed to let your bias interfere with the tests and sway it to try to fit your and then that's kind of how it happens here with evidence is like mm-hmm. it's like they have their bias and they're already they're trying to fit it to that so that their hypothesis is right right yeah and that's where a lot of things went wrong and that's what you're not supposed to do right um, so there were actually many reported beatings and robberies. This is one thing that I did not hear about with this case um, a lot. And I want to emphasize because they kind of made it seem like these 30 to 40 boys um, weren't doing these things. And they were. They, this this was proven that there was many victims that night. When you say, not just Trisha. Also, when you say boys, are you are they are we talking like high school age or are we talking like college or? Yes, we're talking like, like adults. So all of the boys that were brought in were under the age of eighteen. Okay. So they all were 
adolescents. Yes. Yeah. Um, now there was a range of ages in those 30 to 40 boys where some might've been over. Right. Um, but I really wanted to emphasize the other victims here. Mm -hmm. Um, so police found a victim that they described look like he had been dunked in blood. Like Mm. he was bad. He had been robbed and beat in the park. Um, and there was a couple of other victims as well. Um, I go on to describe them later. Um, but there were very harsh beatings of, um, homeless people. Um, there was like, there was a couple riding a tandem bike that got attacked. Like they were out to rob and beat people. Right. More than just causing trouble, like right. more than just, um, you know, throwing toilet paper in a tree. Or right. Something. And, and this was a big point of contention because people were wondering why there was this large group of 30 to 40 boys in the park that night. Like, were they just completely innocent? Um, and they were not. Right. Come to find. Well, and so that's, it's also. They might not all be right. bad. It's, it's possible, and if you're there witnessing things and people doing bad things, you're, you're part of it, mm-hmm. like, even though you might not have committed it yourself. But also, because you did those things doesn't mean that you committed the murder for sure. Right. Like, you don't know. But it, it does make people suspicious, I'm yeah. sure. Um, and doesn't I'm, look great. Right. And these boys that they took in might not have done any of the beatings or the robberies or anything like that. But that They're in big the group. group were doing things wrong. Yeah. That was always something that my mom always like really stressed to me. Mm-hmm. So shout out mom if you ever listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mom always said that like if you hang around with bad people, even if you're not a bad person. Uh-huh. you can still, you're going to be, people are going to look at you as a bad person. Right. And if they, you know, if they're beating homeless people and robbing homeless people, whoever out of that group was doing that was not a bad, was not a good person. Right. Um. So again, that doesn't mean that they deserve what's coming, uh-huh. but it does mean like, be careful out there who you associate with because it can come back on you. Right. And I think the defense um, in this case spent a lot of time painting the picture that um, they were profiled because they were the majority of them people of color. Right. Um, And I mean, I'm sure that there was some profiling there. Right. Um, I mean, if you are a cop and you come and you see, you know, 30 to 40, men of color, boys of color, up to no good in the park in the eighties. That's what they're gonna do. I mean it's it's and it's not right, but it that's what they're gonna think. It's absolutely not right. And it's but it's sad to say, but you almost just assume there's profiling at this point. Right. You just assume you you I would be more like more surprised to find out that there wasn't profiling. Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't even know if I've heard a case where I'm like where they're like, there was absolutely no profiling in this case whatsoever. Right. I mean, other than when the person who got charged was white. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, there's no profiling here. Like, we checked all our boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
basically made sure there was nobody else that it could have been that wasn't white. Ugh. I know that sounds horrible, and I'm sorry to anybody who hears that, but like, it's I'm, the reality, I, I do though. I have a very cynical view of that because there's way too much profiling. There is. So, from the cops' point of view, they are bringing in boys that were beating people in the park and that had probably assaulted this woman. Um, so they are holding these boys in jail. Um, by the evening of the 20th, this happened. Let me make sure I got my spot right. I'm guessing these but, boys probably didn't know like, Hey, we need to ask for a lawyer. Like they right. probably talked during, um, yes, we're going to um, get into that okay. for sure. Um, so by the evening of the 20th and this happened in the early mornings of the 20th. So she was found early morning 20th. By the end of the 20th, they were already in jail and they were being interviewed. Right. Okay. So that this is something to tell your kids. Always, uh-huh. always ask for a lawyer. Ask for your phone call. Like, yes, they're kids. And yes, they shouldn't have to hear about that. But I mean, look here. Like if, if these five didn't do anything, uh-huh. it would have been great if they had a lawyer to prove that. Right. So these five boys were held for questioning for the assault of Tresha. Um, these boys became known as the Central Park Five. So we have Antron McRae, 15, Kevin Richardson, 15, Yusuf Salam, 15, Raymond Santana, 14, and Corey Wise, 16. Um, over the next several days, the boys were interviewed, um, sometimes without a lawyer, parent, or anyone present. Um, sometimes they had a parent, sometimes they had a lawyer, but very rarely was that. I feel like that should be illegal for minors. To... It, it is, I think, now. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm glad it is now, then, I guess yeah. I should say. Um, as we know about interrogations, they are not always honest or fair. Mm-hmm. These boys were teens in between the ages of 14 and 16. The police said to them, um, the other boys in that other room told us that you did it. We know that you did it. Um, and yeah, so much. They used that. They used pin, try to pin them against each other. Right. Um, they used their parents against them. They said, Oh, what is your mom going to think? Or your mom knows you did it. Right. You have to now tell her why you did it. Right. Um, they screamed, hit the table to show power and dominance. Um, they intimidation basically yes um they got a confession out of the boys um the boys said that they didn't know what was happening they just wanted to go home um they later had said that but they did get tape confessions of them confessing to the assault of trisha so just so you know that i i can't help picturing though um making a murder and um What's his name? Um, Brendan Dassey. Brendan Dassey, yeah. Because that same thing basically happened, and Brendan's mom was even there. Uh-huh. But they would interrogate him when she wasn't there. Like yeah. They interrogated him before she got there, and they got a lot out of him. And uh-huh. then she gets there, and the damage was already done. Right. And they used a lot of those tactics where they're like, well, what's your mom going to think when she gets here? Right. And Brendan said the same thing. He's like, I just wanted to go home. Like, I wanted to say whatever they wanted me to say so I could get out of there. Right. Um, We have a lot of layers here because um, 
I, I watched a lot of the tape confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the majority of them. Um, and it, it's very sad because they go through so much confusion. You mm-hmm. can see on their face, they're like, well, yeah, I just have to say this because they want me to say this. Right. Or they'll repeat what the interviewer has said. Right. Um, and they're scared. I mean, you have a lot of layers being that they're young, they're black, mm-hmm. they're, you know, in this position where they have white people over them saying, you're going to be in trouble. You did, you did this. Well, and they're, and they're basically saying, okay, your friend said that you did this. So mm-hmm. now you have to tell us you did this. Right. So now they're thinking like, okay, since my friend said I did this, like I'm, even though whether they did it or not, they're like, I got to say that I did. So I get in less trouble. Right. Which is where a lawyer is huge because a lawyer would be like, all right, so we're not commenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not saying anything. Right. We're going to find out who said what. And also if they didn't do it, we're not. Yeah. Nobody's saying that we did it then. Cause why? Right. So let's talk about the biggest thing in this case. And that is race. Um, so I wanted to kind of explain New York at the time. Um, these young teenagers were all black and Hispanic. Um, the New York in 1989 was kind of a melting pot. You have people from all over the world, different races. Um, but you also still had a lot of racial tension. Well, it was, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong here. It was fairly segregated though, right? Like it was usually like a certain borough or area. Mm -hmm. It was like usually a specific race. Right. It wasn't like formally segregated, but it just kind of was that way. Right. Um, You had a lot of violence, poverty, and protests at the time in New York City. Um, This fueled just a whole nother layer to this case. Right. You have a white woman. Um who was beaten and, you know, abused in the park by young black and Hispanic men or boys. Um, It was a very racially charged case from the beginning. Um, This definitely added to the interrogation tactics. Um, Like I said, you had white cops using their power and intimidation um, who were already like, oh, I'm the wrong race in their mind, you know? and that was just according to what they had seen, right. you know, an experience. Um, the white community really believed that the young black and Hispanic men were just causing trouble. Um, so they were up against a lot here. Which, so also racial tension and it being like a white victim and mm-hmm. persons of color as the accused that always blows up in the media yeah always always Always. like if it was the other way around unfortunately it would barely get traction Mm -hmm. which is awful and i know that you've tried to shed a light on that but uh, i mean i don't even have to read that to know that that blew up because of that paradigm i guess yeah i mean you even have a big drop in media coverage and justice when you have black on black crime. Right. Um, and I've, I've researched it. I've seen the statistics. Like well, you, you have hard times finding victims names sometimes yeah. when it's black on black crime or mm-hmm. person of color on person of color, or even like white on person of color crime. Like yeah. 
it's hard to even get all the victims' names or anything about them outside of their name, uh-huh. which is just because the media doesn't cover it. Yeah, they they don't care, and it's sad. It's it's partially, I think, that they don't care, but it's also, I, I feel like it's a, a bigger thing. Like, I think the people at home need to care, too, because uh-huh. they're, the media will do whatever gets viewers. Right. So if people start caring more that... Uh-huh you know, black women go missing more than, you know, and don't get justice more than pretty much any other group. Like uh-huh. if, if people start really caring about that, then it'll, it'll start get covered because they, they want their viewers. They want their ratings. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And I'm not saying the people watching this don't care because I mean, you're Watch listening. <laughs> so you're you probably are one of the ones that care. Right. right. It's the rest of everybody else needs to get there. Yeah. Um, so there are two sides to this story. Um, to this day, the five boys say that they did not do this crime. They said that they were intimidated and coerced into saying whatever the cops wanted. The police say there was no coercion here and the boys confessed fully on their own. So you have two sides to that. Um what do you mean there was no coercion? They literally led them where they wanted them to go. There how was definite coercion. How, how is that. that not coercion? I mean, like, you you watch those tapes and you see coercion. When when you're leading somebody to what you want the answer to be, that that's coercion. Right. Um. So at about 2.30 in the morning on the second day of questioning, so they're already been questioned, um, for two days straight now. Right. Um, sometimes without a lawyer, without a parent, anything. Um, the boys started to be filmed um, while talking about what happened. Which is, I, sorry I keep interrupting you, but I do want to say this one. I've, mm-hmm. I've also seen and noticed in other interrogations that a lot of times they will, they will start out without filming them mm-hmm. to prep them to get them where they want them to be. Yep. So they will basically like, they will make them get their details right. So you were here, you're at this part of the park. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you weren't at this part of the park? And then they're like, oh yeah, maybe I was. Right. And they, they like basically like get them to start giving them the answers that they want. And then they record it. Yes. Um. So we have it at 2.30 in the morning. They start talking and being filmed while that happened. Um, so they are being told to throw each other under the bus at this point. Um, so they started really talking, um, in these interview, Kevin says that Trisha scratched him. He did have a scratch under his eye. Um, the boys all confess and say that they held Trisha down, beat her repeatedly and assaulted her. Um, all except Yusuf Salam admitted to beating her or assaulting her. Yusuf's mother states that she asked for a lawyer many times and that many people overheard this, but they kept going and kept trying to get Yusuf to talk. They pretended like they didn't hear it. Yep. He was the only one that didn't confess on camera or at all. Right. Um, You also have all of these different stories to sort through from all of these different young kids that were (laughs) there. You have more than 20 people that night to interview and get stories from um well and of course they've already found their five so they're gonna tell the other kids like hey 
we don't really think with you. We think we already got our five. Tell mm-hmm. us, you know, what those five did. Right. Um, and so you're, you're getting a lot of like hearsay, stuff right. like that. Um, they all tried to blame it on each other and say that they were just there to hold her down. So each one of them saying a different one did it, they were just there holding her down. Um, But what they didn't know is in the eyes of the law, that still made them just as guilty. They were there and they did it. Um, But they thought they were going to get off of the charges if they were to Or at least get lighter charges or something like. Right. Um, The boys' stories were all very detailed. This is very interesting. Um, and that usually points to being honest. Um, but some of the details they got wrong and the details that they did get wrong were big details. Um, so one of the boys says that she was wearing blue shorts. Um, but she was not, she was wearing black pants. Um, one got the location wrong. Um, so many people believe that they were just making these things up to try to, you know, say whatever they could. Um, with false confessions, we see this, uh, like we said with Brennan Dassey in Making a Murderer, they're almost trying to get it right. Like they'll say, she was wearing black pants. And then the interviewer will Are say, you sure? Are you sure? Was it dark? Did you just not see? Because right. maybe she was wearing, and like they will just try to, that interviewer is trying to get them to say what they it want. Was, it was really bad in the Brendan Dassey one. And mm-hmm. I, I keep going to that one because I actually saw the interview of that one, which I haven't seen these. but Right. Um, it's very similar. Yeah, because they, like, they, they're like, are you sure this is the order that things happened? Are you sure maybe mm-hmm. you didn't like do this first and then this second? And he's like, oh, yeah, maybe we did. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. Um, they fumble a lot with their words. Um, and they're almost looking at the interviewer, like, what do you want from me? What right. do you want me to say? Right. Um, and so when you watch some of Corey Wise's confession, which that one, it, it, it's very sad. Um, it is textbook false confession. Like he changes the story so much. He's trying to give her the details she wants him to. Mm-hmm. Like he's just trying to get out of there. And right. you can tell. Um, as an example of this, because I did watch it, um, the interview is asking about what she was attacked with. And Corey says it's with a knife and it, she clearly wasn't. wasn't right. Um, so the interviewer says, no, you don't get a skull fracture from a knife. Um, and he doesn't know that. Right. And so he changes it and says that Kevin hit her with a rock, um, Which or with his hand. Still isn't Right. Right. And the interviewer even says, did you say that because you were told not to say, because you were told that it wasn't a knife? And he says, no, he, it was just dark and he doesn't remember. Um, so there's clearly coercion here. There's clearly things where, like, he really does not know what to say. Yeah. Um, but I do want to point out that doesn't mean that they weren't involved right in some way i, I do feel or like there I've, or whatever i do feel like i've been pretty heavily biased one way and i <laughs> mm-hmm. need to be careful with that because i am i we said at the open we need to have an open mind and and i feel like i have been a little biased so i'm going to try to be a little more open about it i just mm-hmm. don't i just don't like interrogation tactics right i don't like the philosophy that rather than trying to get the right answer you're mm-hmm. just trying to close a case right 
Um, well, the people on the other side that are like, you know, these guys did it. Uh, they say, well, this wasn't a coerced thing. I, I fully like I have watched them. I fully believe they were coerced. There is no doubt about that. Now, whether they're guilty or not, I don't know. But mm -hmm. from the evidence from watching them, you can tell that there's something wrong there. This is the last time I'm going to say Brendan Dassey, but from, <laughs> from uh, I, f I feel the same way with Brendan Dassey, though, because like mm -hmm. I, I really don't know if he was involved, but I definitely believe he was coerced in yes. what he said. Yep. So like he, he could be still, I don't know if he's guilty or not guilty. Right. I, I really am kind of, that one's, that was a whole nother case we could do sometime, but he also, I, I definitely feel like he was coerced and that right. that was not a fair interrogation of how you should mm -hmm. be treating someone, a minor, and in his case with some um, intellectual disabilities, I believe. Yeah. I get really hung up on a lot of this stuff because when you have commenters or you have Reddit users or you have someone who truly, truly believes that they're guilty, uh -huh. like both things can be true. They can be guilty and be coerced. Right. Like, and people in, especially in this case, if they believe that they're guilty, it's, you know, they were telling the truth on everything. And I'm like, I just don't see that on yeah. the evidence. I don't. Um, now y'all might, um, but I didn't. Right. Um, there's that y'all again. She's adding y'all. <laughs> adding y'all. Um, <laughs> Now, what some people get wrong about this case is that they believe that the Central Park Five was the only ones that were charged. Um, there were others. Um, Ten people were charged in the events that happened that I night. I didn't know that. Now, not necessarily with Trisha's case. This is the ten Maybe other. some of the other, like the tandem bikes and yep. stuff like that. Um, Steven Lopez, a boy that was in the park that night, pled guilty to a lesser charge of robbing a male jogger. Uh, the other ones either settled on lesser charges or settled out of court. Um, they got a lot less um, because there wasn't enough evidence. So that left us with the Central Park Five. I'd be, I'd be curious to find out if those that got lesser sentences were offered lesser sentences to testify against the Central Park Five or to mm -hmm. um, give stories against them, basically. because yeah. I mean, I definitely could see that. Because that's that's a double edged sword. Like, yes, you can. That is a thing that's been done forever. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it can convince some people to talk when mm -hmm. maybe they wouldn't have talked. But uh, it can also do false. You know, like somebody's going. You're like, yeah, you're going to get a lot less time if you give us what we what we want you to give us. Then they're going to try to make their answers match whatever they they're supposed to. Right. So while the Central Park Five awaited trial, the media painted the picture that they wanted us to have. So they basically widened that racial divide. Uh -huh. um, they set a, a tone to this case. They painted the boys as vicious troublemakers. Uh, the media really went after them. They painted them as criminals, um, even though none of them had previous criminal records. Um, they were just school kids. However, they were already guilty in the press be before they ever stood in court. That's kind of makes me think of uh, George Floyd, too, because it, it mm -hmm. felt like with him, they were looking for anything that he did wrong in, a, in his past. Yep. 
they're like anything at all he did wrong uh-huh. like they were gonna find it like they're I, I don't feel like they do that with cases with white people that are uh-huh. the suspects i don't feel like they dig and they're like okay like this person cheated on a test in third grade <laughs> you know like they yeah. but when, when it's a profiled case then it's it's like we're gonna find out every did you plagiarize like, right um, and one thing that they really did, uh, and I didn't write this down, um, but they, every single newspaper and article had these boys and it would say that they're out there whiling. Now, this is a term that was using rap music at that time. It was newer. I, I mean, so first of all. <laughs> right. First of all, I should never be saying the term whiling. I'm glad you recognize that. Um, <laughs> The first step is first step is acceptance, right? Um, and second of all, I definitely heard like when you said that, I like imagined the the news like anchors mm-hmm. saying that term too, and they were in my head they were all white, yeah, they were all saying that, and they were all but saying like that. that way too white, yeah. Um, so I yeah, good on you for acknowledging that. Yeah, I should never be saying that word. <laughs> you had to. I mean, right. There's no other way you can get it out there. Yeah. Um, it's a term basically used to say that they were going out and... It's worse that you have to explain it. I know. I know. Partying. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what the white media did... Leave me alone, I'm white, and I can't help it. <laughs> I know, it's not your fault. <laughs> what the white media did was say that that word, which I'm not going to say again... <laughs> <laughs> was a term to say we're going to cause trouble and violence, which it, it wasn't, was it. Um, but that's what they did. So, which um, I I've been told we go on a lot of tangents, so I'm going to okay. try to be careful. Right. Um, but um, it's interesting. They are actually starting to. There's a debate out there now, and this has happened to a couple uh, rap artists that um, they will actually use rap lyrics against the rap artist when a crime was committed to say oh. that, well, you said this in your song, <laughs> so you're obviously this kind of person. Um, so are they going to get, like, Dolly Parton for saying, like, Jolene? <laughs> like, come on. Well, she, I, don't, is she there? I don't even know. I don't know that song very well. but um, No, but I mean, still, like, right. there's been a lot of... Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's terrible. Art. It's, it's art. Well, it's also, again, it's always, it, it's never proportional, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going after the white people in their songs. It's going after black people in rap songs. Right. Um, in some of the cases, maybe they committed the crime, but I don't think you should use it as, I don't think you should use that as evidence because, like you said, it is art. Right. Um, so the reason why that made me think of it here is that is art and artistic expression Uh that doesn't mean that you are doing doing these things just because you've listened to a song that talks about it right i mean if we did everything that we heard in songs that we listened to like we'd be horrible people yeah (laughs) and i'm not saying we listen to it because it's just music is such a big spectrum that like right you know i and we listen to every different genre Uh (laughs) so we would be um, we'd be all over the place if we did all the things that we hear in songs. I would be Wylan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no more. <laughs> and for some reason, I keep thinking of like Nick Cannon's Wild Now. Yeah. Know? All right. Um, 
so we also have to remember that there is still a crime committed mm-hmm. here. Um, a very, very vicious one. Um, women have fear anyway, just from history right. that, um, this is, we're going to get assaulted. Like I was telling my parents the other day that I carry my keys a certain way yep. when I'm walking in work. Your knuckles, right? Yeah. So that um, we, uh, and it's yeah. just a habit I have. It's a um, good habit too. Right. I think other people should, if, if you don't maybe consider that. Right. Um, so we already have this fear and you're just ramping it up. And we were talking about it yesterday or two days ago. It was yesterday. Um, like you said, how, how it's, um, women being in an Uber by themselves mm-hmm. is an uncomfortable thing. And right. to me, I'm like sitting here going, well, I'm a guy and I'm a big guy. And so I don't feel that uncomfortable mm-hmm. in an Uber, but that's because there's not that history of, you know, bigger guys getting targeted. Right. Like I, and that's something that women have to worry about. And that's something that guys should try to relate to a little bit too. And I don't know, at least try to ease <laughs> ease people's minds and be like, Hey, like, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a bad guy. I promise if you're safe. Yeah. You're good. Um, so there's also a lot of people calling for justice for Trisha, um, because she was the one that was, you know, had this happen to her. Right. Um, so I know someone's going to bring this up in the comments, so I'm just going to get it out of the way now. Um, Donald Trump weighed in. Um, now he was, wasn't the president or the former president well, at this point. So, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't, so I don't know this <laughs> firsthand. I don't know. Um, one of my friends, I'll say that one of my friends has told me that he was actually, uh, not always Republican and not always conservative. Mm. And he was actually Democrat before conservative. So maybe keep that in mind that like, he hasn't always been the same same at i mean he's been the same as he always was but like politically he might have been a little different back then right let's just yeah let's just say that like it's politically he probably has changed over those 20 or so years before he became president 30 whatever i hope so um because (laughs) on this case he said he wanted the death penalty for the boys for what they did to trisha um it doesn't yeah i mean that, that yeah. feels like it still aligns with some of the like because that's tends to be um i don't know I, I feel like that one people can be different though it shouldn't be you shouldn't be labeling like if you think this you are this right so. um so you have a lot of high up rich people saying that they wanted justice for her um all of this was before they even went to trial um so good luck finding a jury that is, um, that's unbiased. That is a good point that you brought up, Trump, because like if it if it's getting to where he's weighing in on it, that's mm-hmm. the media scale that it's at. Yes. Um, and this is what I will say. Like, I I don't know where I fall in the death penalty. So well, let's just take that out of the yeah. situation. I, that's such a complicated thing. But you have these suspects who there is no physical evidence. And you haven't even seen the trial or heard the trial and you're calling for the death penalty i think that's a little jump in the gun yeah even in a trial where someone was you know badly as assaulted as she was like yes i want justice for trisha but i want the right justice for her and this was not the way that they went about it 
Yeah, I think that gets lost sometimes too, because I think some pe- sometimes people start fighting for the, um, for the people that like if they think they're innocent, they start really fighting for the the people, and they kind of forget that um, there still needs to be justice. Right. Like, even if you don't think you know these five did it, you still should be fighting for whoever did it, because no matter what, that should be both sides should be. We want justice for Trisha. Right. Exactly. All right. June 3rd, 1990, the boys go to trial. Uh, the prosecution had the best of the best as far as lawyers go. Sorry, what year? Um, 1990. 1990. So the year so, after. Yeah, so a year later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with this case is that there wasn't a lot of DNA evidence, um, but there was those taped confessions, um, and they used that. Uh, the defense didn't have really as experienced lawyers. Mm -hmm. So they were already up against a lot. Um, The only thing that was fair is that there was a pretty racially diverse jury. Right. Um, So that's at least one thing that. Which is supposed, I mean, that is, it's like the bare minimum, but that's supposed to how it is supposed to be as a jury of your peers like that. Mm -hmm. Um, How is there not? How is there not a lot of DNA evidence? That part confused because, like, we're gonna get into some of that. So I, I will say what I'm thinking though. Like, so the one guy said that she scratched her, scratched him under the eye, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if they're taking the DNA evidence like they should, they should be checking like her fingernails and seeing mm-hmm. like skin cells, um, right? And like with the assault, there should be evidence there. Um, there should be a lot more evidence than that there was. Some- just yeah. saying. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I was going to say. It feels like there should actually be a lot of DNA. It seems like you should have the opposite problem. Like you have 30 people around, there should be too much DNA evidence, not, mm-hmm. not enough. Right. And we will get into some of that as well because there's some confusing DNA evidence. Okay. Um, Trisha did take the stand during the trial. Um, she was unable to remember any of the attack. So she just talked about her normal running routine. Um, She identified the clothes that she had, um, and the jury saw pictures of her condition after the attack. Right. Okay. Which, I I mean, again, Trish is the victim, like, and also is very, I don't doubt at all that she lost her memory of that. I don't think anything's weird about that at all. I'm glad that she lost her memory. I I am too. I mean, it's still It's still traumatizing. Yeah. It's still horrible. But I am, I am glad that she did lose her memory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this case was weird because the DNA evidence, um, the semen that was found did not match any of the men on trial. So you have random semen found on and in Trisha that did not match any of the men that were standing on trial. Um, they didn't have any evidence that tied the men to the crime at all, really. Um, the police explained that there was another person involved with him, and that's where the DNA came from. They just didn't know who that was. But they they didn't care because they've got five convictions. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't care if they've got everyone, just as long as they get Yeah. Oh I know. Okay. I know. All right. Moving on. <laughs> um I cannot believe that they actually went to trial with that little of evidence, yeah, like, but they did. We we don't. So um, we'll get into this at some other point, but like we're we're taking a short break from the the Murdoch cases. But mm-hmm. we talked a lot about that in the Murdoch cases. Is that 
how do you go to trial with almost no physical evidence? Right. Like it is, that is a really hard case to prove. Yeah. Um, so the jury did know that the semen did not match any of these boys. So they were aware. I still question though, like how much they believed in DNA evidence at the time. Yeah. I, I mean, that might've been part of it. But they're also sitting down and they're listening to these taped confessions. So yeah, right. that's if you, probably if you, what got them. If you take that the two together, like don't necessarily trust DNA evidence and hearing a taped confession, you're probably going right. to tend to favor the taped confession. Yep. Uh, the first trial was for Antron McRae, Yusef Salam, and Raymond Santana. They all had their own defense teams. Um, each of the three youths were acquitted of attempted murder, but convicted of assault and of Trisha. Um, and convicted of assault and robbery of a male jogger who was badly beaten the night in Central Park. Yusef and H- Antron uh, were 15 years old, and Raymond was 14 years old at the time of the crime, so they got the maximum time for juveniles. They were sentenced to five to ten years in a youth prison, um, which seems really low for all of that. By well, the way, if yes, they really did this, yes and no, because the youth sentences are a lot—that's uh, crazy. Lenient, which is, I mean, it's kind of understandable to yeah. an extent. I mean, they dropped the murder charge, so I mean, if yes, they were all going, that stuff is bad for sure. But right. If they were going five to ten years somewhere where they were getting the help that they needed, okay, I can see that. But they're now turning them into more criminals. That's a whole other debate about prison (laughs) reform and how prison reform is not reforming. Right. Um, The next trial was for the remaining two boys, Kevin Richardson and Corey Wise. Kevin was the only one of the five defendants to be convicted of attempted murder of Trisha. In addition to sodomy and assault of her, the robbery and the riot in the attack on the male jogger. So, so he got he, um, pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. He was sentenced to five to ten years in juvenile prison. Which that that's kind of odd to me because it, it seemed like he got convicted of more than everybody else, but got about the same sentence, which is, I mean, like you said, I guess you did say it was the maximum. So maybe that was still the maximum for that. Yep. Um, Corey Wise, 16 years old at the time, was acquitted of rape and attempted murder. Corey was convicted of lesser charges of abuse, assault, and riot, and then the attack on Trisha and the male jogger. Because of his age and how violent the crime was, he was tried and sentenced as an adult, receiving 5 to 15 years in adult prison. He was 16? Mm-hmm. So basically, like, the others were 14 and 15, and that one year was the difference for him? Yep. Hmm. Uh, The boys went to jail, but still appealed their convictions um, the next year. The only one who didn't appeal was Raymond Santana. Uh, The sentences for each of them served as followed. So this is what they actually served. Yusef Salam served six years and eight months in juvenile detention. From 1990 to 1996, he was released on parole. Raymond Santana served six years and eight months in juvenile detention from 1990 to 1996. He was released on parole. In 1998, he violated his parole and was sentenced to three and a half years um, in prison on drug charges. He was released and exonerated in 2020 or 20. Wait, sorry, 2002. So exonerated from the drug charges? Nope. Or from the exonerated from 
yes, case. Okay. Yes. And we'll get into all of that. Right. Sure. I just wanted to know which of the two. Yes. Um, Kevin Richardson uh, served seven years in juvenile detention from 1990 to 1997. He was released on parole. Antron McCray was sentenced to five to 10 years in juvenile detention. He served six years from 1990 to 1996 and was released on parole. Corey Wise was, was sentenced to six to 15 years in prison on abuse, assault, and riot. He served 13 years and eight months in multiple New York state prisons. Dang. So they all served time, their time, their right. whole time. Right. They, within like months, basically. Like uh-huh. nobody really got much of an early release, if any. Right. While serving their time, many of the boys got their GEDs um, and also some got associate's degrees. Uh, That's good. Yep. They went through many appeals stating that their convictions were based on coerced confessions and that these charges should be reversed. They also blamed the media for pointing the picture of guilt on them, including Donald Trump's statements about them needing to get the death penalty. Um, While the boys were serving their time, um, Trisha bravely went on about her life. Um, I can't get this woman enough credit. Like, yeah. Um, I am just happy she continued on and was able to do good things. Absolutely. Um, She could have given up. Um, No one would blame her if she did, but she didn't. Yeah. I mean, so many times you you hear how tough survivors are, and Uh she's definitely one of them. Yep. She became a motivational speaker and author. Um, She wrote the bestseller, I Am the Central Park Jogger, A Story of Hope and Possibility. Awesome. Um, She has spoken on her attack um, on many shows and decided to reveal her identity. Um, She didn't have to do those things. Yeah. I mean, Um, we we taught one of the first cases we did was the Carr Brothers and um, not nothing against. um, What was it? uh, um, I can't remember what she went by. Something A. A. I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking HA or something, or I don't know. Something like that. Anyways, sorry for that. But I, my my point is, it is absolutely okay that she did that in the Carr Brothers case. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely okay in any case if a victim chooses not to say their name. And they're well within their rights. It's just when someone does, it's kind of like, man, that's brave. Mm-hmm. Um, she also still runs, which... <sighs> Um, she runs a organized organization for disabled runners. Um, she also ran in the New York City Marathon in 1995. Wow. She went on to get married and works with victims of sexual assault in the same hospital where she was treated. You just so. said you weren't going to say it, and then you got <laughs> you said it was going to happen, and you said it was going to slip. Mm, sorry. I did pretty good, though. You got, like, most of the way through it. I did. Um, she is just a huge hero, and I can't. Right. I you, just you got so into I, being like how awesome she is. Yes. You just couldn't help it. Yeah. Um, she's she's an amazing, yeah, amazing advocate. Um, so the story does not end there. This is just the beginning because in two thousand and two everything would change. And we're gonna get to that in part two. Can you give any teasers or no? Are we is this like a season yeah. of justice type? Thing? <laughs> So there's a lot that comes after. I'm sure you guys know about some of it. Um, There is a suspect that comes up that we're going to talk about. Um, And I'm going to go very deep into that suspect. Um, In part three, I might talk a lot about the confusing evidence. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, Because 
and this is just a little tidbit of why I'm so confused, but mm. many different articles say many different things. Yeah. Um, in one pretty credible source um, from like that time and like that was at the trial um, said that there was a sock found with one of the boys semen in it. Yeah. So I, I do remember you saying at the beginning, there was a bunch of socks, yes. which I thought was weird. Um, but I was right. kind of like, there's so much other weird stuff in this that I was like, okay. Yes. So my whole confusion with all that was why? Yeah. If he did not assault anyone, why is there a sock there with semen in it? Well, the reason <laughs> is probably pretty bad. Probably, probably yeah, pretty bad. There's no, right? no good reason for that. Now, when I went back and I started doing some more research and stuff, I found that there was no sock found mm. with that semen in it. Um, and then I saw in another source that it had a different person's semen in it. So I'm very so, confused. And we, you know, you, with this research, you're pulling a lot from other news sources. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's very possible that things are misreported. Right. And, and that, that all of those things could be misreported. Yeah. And they, so they, there's... I've heard a lot of people talk about this, but a lot of times when there's reporting and somebody misreports something, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of um, corrections printed. Right. Like, and unfortunately, like they print what's misinformed and then I see it. So I say it, it again and it just, <laughs> and it just keeps, cycle. yeah, but you almost have to trust their um, journalistic integrity that they would go back and do a mm -hmm. retraction, but not everybody does. Right. And that's why I try really hard to get credible sources. Mm -hmm. I also try really hard to, I always list my sources below if you want to check those out, but I also try to get the best information for you guys. I'm not always right. Well, like I mean, just, 100%. just saying where the information comes from, I think mm -hmm. is good because like, even if you decide to go into Reddit theories and stuff, Right. As long as you're like, these are Reddit theories. Yes. These are not credible sources. These are just theories that right. are out there. Then I think that's um, does a pretty good job of saying, hey, take this with a grain of salt. Yeah. And I think what we'll do on part three is kind of talk about opinions of the case and not necessarily the DNA evidence. Because this case is so old and they were so set on certain victim or certain suspects that mm -hmm. they didn't care about it getting the evidence. Right. And so we have just all of this stuff that doesn't make any sense. Um, so we'll get a lot more into that um, as we go. Part two is going to be um, really, really good. So please come back for part two. Um, there's a lot with this Okay, ghost. Ghost. Um, Two in a row. Right. There's a lot with this suspect, um, and I go into his other victims, and it is riveting. I am just saying. So yeah, and I, please I, come back. I would like to say where I am right now mm -hmm. with this. Yes, please so um, I once I realized what the case was, I definitely had some bias, and uh -huh. I'm I'm here in this life, so I am sorry for any because we are um, we are trying to. We want you to make up your own opinion. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want this to be like those documentaries that are like, we're leading you where we want you right. to go. Yeah. Uh, but I did get a little biased there. So I'm going to try to chill with that. Mm -hmm. There was some, there was some interesting um, 
parts on the other side of it that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know, like you said, about the other crimes that had been committed in that area. Doesn't mean that they're guilty, but it does cast some, you know, not so good things on that big group of 30 or 40. Yeah. I mean, they did get convicted of those other crimes, too. Now they got convicted of Trisha's case, and they may not have done that, too. But there had to have been some kind of evidence. And a lot of those people um, also spoke up during the trial. So there is that as well. And, And it is possible. This sounds weird, but it is possible to have done something and also have been profiled. Yes. So, like... Just because they profile and get it right in a case doesn't mm-hmm. mean it was right for them to profile. Exactly. Um, 100%. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but I'm just saying they're not exclusive. Yes. Um, that's super important because, like, as we go in this case, I I do feel like we're going to have two different sides of things. You're going to mm-hmm. have they were guilty. They were horrible. They did these things. Um, and then you're going to have people who are going to say they didn't do anything and they were absolutely innocent. And I, I honestly fall in the middle. Um, right. And that's okay, too. You can have both. Yeah. Cause it's I all mean, right. Yeah, especially when we weren't there. Yeah. You I mean, we were like, there. It's, it's so hard to. And that's why um, statements like, and I, I'm trying not to be controversial with the whole Trump thing but like that's why statements like that is Mm kind of unfair because you weren't there and if you're saying you weren't there and with what you've been given you're like they should get the death penalty that is basically like you killed that person and if it turns out that they were innocent you just killed an innocent person like that's how you I think people should view the death penalty I'm not saying it's right or wrong but I'm saying like it should be you should have that on your conscience that if if you say that, you are almost almost um, insinuating that they should be murdered or mm-hmm. they should die. Yeah, and on this one, so you have five. So. so you better, if you're saying that, you better know. Like, mm-hmm. you, better, you better be willing to bet your, whatever your next plane of existence that you think is coming, you better be willing to <laughs> bet that on what you're saying. Right. Okay, so come back for part two. Come back for part three. Um, like I said, part two is really good. So I am... You did a great job. I am very excited. Um, there's some really good writing in it. So please come back. Um, she works really hard at this stuff. I she do. Does. I spent so much time on this case. I watched all of the interrogations. I went through the court <laughs> records. Um, I'm trying to give you as much as possible, but man, it's hard. And this really does keep her up at night, this kind of stuff. It so does. she, yeah, she, I, among my anxiety and my depression, just... it's like the, it's probably <laughs> like the, um, those pictures where the two people are laying next to each other. And I'm like, I bet they're thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's, it's probably true crime. Yeah. More <laughs> it's probably injustice. And <laughs> Yeah. All right, so we're going to end there, and we'll see you in part two. All right. Peace, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say I hope you enjoyed this video. If you like any of the content for Code 187, please click that subscribe button, that like button, that share button. Help us out. Help us grow. 
Um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Um, yeah, check us out on there. Give us some ratings. Um, tell us what you think. We're also across every social media on Code187. So we're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I think that's it. Um, and of course, YouTube. So please, please, please subscribe um, if you like our content and spread the word. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.